You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Just a couple quick bits of housekeeping, then we'll get into the message today. Uh, I want to, I want to, we'll go low and then we'll go high. So we're, we're I just want to address a low and then celebrate something. So I need to just deepest condolences go out to those of you who are Eagles and Ravens fans. I just, uh, my heart breaks for you. Like I, I know it's a really difficult season. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seriously, I'm not, I'm not trash talking. Like I said that, I said that in one of our, our greeters at 8am, I was like, I'm so sorry, man. He goes, they did better than your team did. And I'm like, I wasn't knocking them. Right. Like, by the way, is that how you receive sympathy? Like if I went up to you and was like, sorry, your mom died. Well, she lived longer than your mom did. Like, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my heart goes out. I know it's like to have losers for a team. It's terrible. Uh, I'm a Falcons fan. Trust me, I get it. Um, hey, but here's let's celebrate something. All right. So uh, I've mentioned this before, and if you go through growth tracks, you've heard this as well. Um, our church is part of what's called the Arc Network of Churches. It stands for Association of Related Churches. It's not a denomination. It's basically churches from different denominations who believe the word, who want to see people come to know Jesus, planting churches and pooling our resources and knowledge and stuff like that. And every single week, we give a portion of the offering to new churches being started. And we're celebrating in January through Arc, 19 brand new churches are launching all across the country. Like, how awesome is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I love, let me, let me put a face on it. So last week, uh, one of our team members uh, and I were talking, and she has a daughter who lives in California. She's like, hey, do you, like, my daughter wants to go to church. Do you know of any good ones? And I don't because I'm not from California, and I've only been there once. Like, I don't really know the area. So what I did was I went on the Ark Church Finder and looked to see if any churches in our network were there in her, t- in her daughter's town, and there weren't. And I was super bummed out about it until I got the email this week of the new churches that are launching and found out that a church is launching in her daughter's town in two weeks. Like, how cool is that? Right? Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love what the Lord is doing, that life uh, is being given through the name of Jesus. Now, look, we're in a series right now called Right on the Money, and, and so that everybody can just breathe and relax a little bit. I'm not asking you for any money today, okay? This, like, I know in church, it's one of those things where, like, oh, they're going to try and get another. We're not. In fact, today, we want to teach you how to hold on to more of your money. So, no, I'm not hitting you up for cash. Giving isn't even going to be a thing that we talk about until the last week of the series. You can breathe, all right? Now, I would say this, um, uh, this is also a little bit different of a series than we typically do. Usually what we do is we, like, like if you've been around for a while, you know this, we'll grab like a big chunk of scripture, maybe go through a book or two of the Bible, and we'll just spend our time working our way through a big text. This series is a little bit different. Because when it comes to money and, and the Bible's teachings on money, some of the best teachings on money in the Bible are like a verse long. They're in the book of Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. And so it's one of those things where like, this is going to be a scripture buckshot. Just scriptures all over the place, different chapters. And, and, and I encourage you, if you're like, I need more scripture, read a Bible. They're free. If you don't own one, we'll give you one. They're right there. Just take it before you leave. But this is going to be just like a scripture, just bam. All right. Last thing, and I promise I'll start the talk. You're like, what have you been doing for, for five minutes? Rambling. Like, okay, last thing. I need to just gather again. I'm not a finance guru. 
I'm not. I is not good with money. All right? And so this is not a, a series where I'm standing on a platform yelling at you to get your stuff together. They're like, I'm learning with everybody else. I'm just sharing my notes. All right? And so let's, let's grow and let's learn together. All right. Now, all that stuff said, sermon begin. Check. Yes. Good. Here we go. So when it comes to finances, my wife and I, one of the things we love to budget and, and get ready for his traveling. We love taking trips. Anybody in here like just loves some travel? Hands up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the middle house, we, we love it, right? And, and to the point where it's actually like my default setting. If I'm stressed, like, and Katie can tell you this, my, my line is, I'll just walk in. I'll say, let's just go. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to book a ticket. We're going to go somewhere. Like, that's, that's what we're going to do because I just love traveling. And, and for whatever reason, I like to be places that aren't right where I am. And it's one of these deals where I, I think traveling has never been easier. Right, it used to be. It used to be like if you wanted to go across the country, maybe you had to spend thousands of dollars on a plane ticket, right? But now you get for like a hundred bucks from here to California, like it's crazy. Or, or maybe, maybe you know, like it used to be like you wanted to do a road trip, you had to kind of study cartography, right? Like if you wanted to go across the country, like you had to get out an atlas or like a giant, like a map. I mean, remember like maps, right? When they were as big as you, right? And you take it out, and you grab a highlighter, and you just find the route, and you just highlight your way across the country, hoping that maybe you would find your destination, praying that you wouldn't perish like in the Oregon Trail along the way, constructing like cholera or something. Like it just took a while. Glad some of you got that joke. All right, so look. But now it's easy, right? Like now GPS is in your phone. And you just, here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. Gas pedal. Or if you want to book a flight, there are apps that are just like so super cheap and easy. Like, oh, here's the cheapest flight ever. In fact, we're going to pay you to get on our plane. Like, like what it is, right? And all they ask, all they ask are where you're leaving from, where you want to go, and when. Right? Like, here's the, here's the departing place. Here's the destination. When do you want to fly? And you're like, hey, why am I bringing this? Well, look, it's just basic logic, right? That, 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 why would it be this way? Really simple. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's going to make sense in a second. You can't leave without a destination in mind. Right? Like, you can't go from point A to point B without some idea of where you want to go. Every time you have ever moved from one place to another in your life, you had somewhere else in mind, even if you didn't realize it. So maybe like right now, you're in the room, you're like, it's hot, I want to be anywhere but this room, okay? Anywhere but this room is a destination. You just, I want out of here to go to there. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up. Because when it comes to finances, how many of us hate where we are, but we have no idea how to get to the next destination. We don't even know what the next destination is. Like, I know I don't like the debt that I'm in. I don't like the lack of savings that I have. I don't like the way I continue to sort of living from paycheck to paycheck. I hate that. But then it kind of stops there. And what I want to challenge us to think about as a church, if we're going to move forward in the area of our finances, we need to figure out where we're going. What's the destination that we one, in fact, if we want to see a change, I'm going to suggest it's really as simple as thinking about like you were taking a trip. And so I'm going to just talk about this idea of really, really basic moving from point A to point B in three simple steps. How do I get out of where I am to see a change? Uh, the nuts and bolts, again, if you haven't signed up for, an, for financial peace, sign up. Dave Ramsey is way better at this than I am, and he's got a lot more time. But three basic things that I think we can all absorb and do. So here's the first step that we're going to do, okay? 
for the next 30 days, spy on your money. Step one, for the next 30 days, I want you to spy on your money. This is your department. If you want to know where you are, you've got to know what you're working with. And so here's what I want you to do. Remember like those old sort of noir detective movies? Remember those, right? Where the guy, he's always like, it's, like, it's, like, it's in black and white. He's always smoking because they didn't know that it kills you. So like every breath is a new cigarette, right? Like just, right? And, and, and like they're always like the lady who comes in and she's like, I need you to tail somebody. It's like, she had lips to kill for. And like, and one of those days, like, like, what does that even mean? Right? But, but like, and there was always like, he'd go on a mission, right? And he'd tail somebody, right? They'd be in the car and just following like the mobster or the, or the, or the, the sister or the husband. Right? They're just tailing them. They're spying on, right? They're, and in the same way, when it comes to your finances for the next 30 days, pastor's giving you homework. I want you to spy on your money. I want you to tail it. All right, what's coming in? Okay, like, how much am I making? Where, where's it coming from after taxes? What's going into my account? And then here's the next thing. Where's it all going? Like, I, for how many of us, like, we know enough to know that there's X in the, the account, but that's really it. I want you to spy. Okay, like, what am I spending money on? And, and, and so every single day, okay, like, you can, you can, I mean, you can pull up your credit card statements. You can pull up your bank statements. But then every day for the next 30 days, I want you to mark down what you spent. So you can grab a notebook, you can grab a note on your computer, just every single like whenever I spend something, make a note about it. What did I spend and on what? Now you might go, oh, look, that's, that's really dumb. Like, obviously we know where our money is going, Bert. It's, this is kind of defeating. It's, it's, it's terrible logic. Like, why are you wasting my time with this? Believe it or not, I'm wasting your time with this because most of us are really bad at this. We know when we're paid and sometimes we look at the account. Right now, I'm going to support this. Okay, all right. Listen, if I'm talking about like, okay, keep an eye on your finances. Most of us, as Americans, are bad. Do you know how I know that? Okay, read a stat in Forbes. It says as of 2017. Check this out. Here's how much Americans were spending: 34 billion dollars in overdraft fees a year annually. Okay, 34 billion in overdraft, not bills, not that, like. The fee, 34 billion, and oh, I wasn't keeping an eye on the bank. And the banks are making a killing from this. So maybe we're not as good at this as we think we are. <laughs> so for the next 30 days, I want you to keep an eye on where your money is coming from and where it is going. And be specific about it. Okay? On Thursday, I spent $43 on gas. I don't know. And believe it or not, this is biblical. Proverbs 27, 23 says this, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Okay. Be aware of what God has entrusted to you. Give careful attention to it. Like, really, okay. like man, that, that sheep is walking with a little bit of a limp. Let me see why. Like, okay, what is that? Okay, I'm, I recognize it as a steward. Everything that I have comes from God. It's been entrusted to me, and so I want to know what is going on with it. Let me put it to you this way, okay? So, um, and we can clear this off here. So, um, how many of you guys, like, this past Christmas celebrated with family? Hands up, you see, like, a little family? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, it's a Christmas deal. My wife and I, we have an interesting relationship dynamic when it comes to Christmas, because I come from a family where... We don't really ever get together. Like maybe once every few years we'll have a gathering. If not, it's cool. And it's not that we don't like each other. We just, nah, nah, not really our thing. All right. But 
my wife's family, and some of my wife's family is here, so they can attest to this, all right? My wife's family, somebody sneezes and they have a barbecue. All right, like just right, like it's just like there's so many family gatherings, right? So like, like on, on the week of Christmas, okay, the Saturday before Christmas, there was Christmas caroling at at her aunt's place. Then, okay, then Christmas Eve, there was a thing at my in-laws' house. Then Christmas Day, there were two events at my in-laws' house. All right, and I don't mind. I, I get along well with her family. One of the highlights of Christmas gatherings are when her Katie, uh, her sister Megan comes into town because Katie and Megan, they're best friends, and I really enjoy. And I, I get along with Megan, great, that's fine. But the thing I really, really enjoy now when Megan comes into town is she brings with her her son, my two-year-old nephew Joshua. Here's a picture of Joshua. Okay, look at him. Look at him. Oh man, and you know what was about to happen after that picture, right? Uh, Josh is great. He's hilarious. I forgot what it was like to have a toddler. They are little death traps. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, I forgot about the noise of it, just everywhere at all times, like through the house. Like, if a toddler is moving, you hear it. But I also forgot about this as well. Every other night we'd be talking, and then Joshua would go eerily quiet. And that's the scariest time, isn't it? <laughs> Because with these little kamikazes, you know the only time a toddler goes quiet is if either one, they're asleep, or two, they're conscious and they're doing something they know they shouldn't do, right? And how, okay, you're laughing because you know, right? Like, this is what you do. Like, so we, we talk and all of a sudden, it's really quiet. What's going on? You know, okay. And we have to track down Joshua because what did that mean? If he was quiet, man, he's probably trying to jam a knife into the electrical socket or, or he was pooping in a closet somewhere. Like whatever, like whatever, like if Josh was quiet, it wasn't good for us because silent toddler is dangerous toddler. Now listen, here's why I'm bringing this up. Because when it comes to your finances, a similar principle applies. Silent money is dangerous money. Silent money is dangerous. But like, if I'm not keeping an eye on where my money is going and, and, and all these things, that's really dangerous because I will just assume it will be fine. I will be prone to bad expenditures. I'll be impulsive, and I will lose. And the same is true for you. Silent money is dangerous money. You just assume, like, oh, it'll be fine if I don't look at it. No, you could have so much more abundance if you were responsible with the things that God has entrusted to you. And so homework again for the next 30 days, find out where your money is going. Now, that's the first step. Here's the second one. So if we, if we establish like the departing thing, here's the next thing we're going to do. We're going to establish destination. So we're going to establish short-term and long-term goals. We are going to give our money a target. As Zig Ziglar said one time, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So we're going to create a target. Like, where is it that we want our money to go? Okay, like, think, like long-term, okay, like, do you want to have how much set aside for retirement? Do you want to set aside money so that when your kids go to college, they don't leave college in debt? Hello. Like, do you want to be saving up for a down payment on a house or a new car? Like, what is it? And you're just beginning to think about it. That's long term. What's short term? Okay, like in the next three to five years, I want to have this card paid off. Short term and long term goals. And believe it or not, I get this from the Bible too. Ooh. Proverbs 4.26, give careful thought 
to the paths of your feet, or uh, paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. I mean, okay, listen, really consider where you're going. And then when you develop a plan, stick with it. How many of us, New Year's, this is the year I get my stuff in order. And then February hits. And this was not the year you got your stuff in order. Stick, stick with it. Steadfast. Again, Proverbs 14.8 says it this way. Okay? The wisdom of the prudent. And this word that we, that we translate as prudent. We've talked about this. Um, it, it's a word. It, it talks about a person who basically like evaluates where they're going in life. So a prudent person is somebody that goes, all right, listen, I have a goal in light of where I want to be. How will this decision get me there? Or will it take me off course? Okay, so the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. Meaning the thing that wastes the time of the dumb people is they delude themselves into not thinking it through. They assume everything will be all right. How many must come on? Listen, as long as I'm just getting paid, I'm not being too frivolous, everything will be in the bank and it will be fine. Proverbs will go, that's folly. You're just sort of, okay, you're, you're deceiving yourself and thinking, all right, it will all work out for me because, you know, I've got special one and God loves me and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, yeah, but the same God who loves you says that you sow what you reap, so hold on. The, the prudent person goes, listen, in light of where I want to go, does this place me on a pathway towards it or does it derail me? Let me say it this way, okay? So this past October, Pastor Josh and I, we took a trip down to Atlanta for a conference, had a lot of fun. Uh, on the drive down, we got lost in conversation and um, kind of forgot to be keeping an eye on the GPS. And suddenly, as we were passing through South Carolina, we realized our exit was like 30 minutes ago. And fun fact about I-95, it's not always easy to turn around. And so for us to get back on course, we had to spend about a two-hour detour just getting back to where we had originally planned to be because we weren't paying attention to how each thing was going. How many of us, when it comes to money, like we go, like our, our, the extent of our financial goal is I want more money. And like, well, no, like be specific because if it's just that sort of broad target, you're not going to hit anything. But all right, listen, we leave it there. And then when we derail, we can't figure out why because we're not paying attention to the exits and how this decision will lead to the other thing. And so if we're talking about, all right, where we're departing from, we're talking about destination. Then the last thing we got to talk about is our means of getting there or our map. In other words, step three, and here's what it is, create a budget. Your budget is your map to getting where you want to be financially. As a wise man once said, your system is perfectly designed to get the results that you're getting. And so if you're going through life and you aren't where you'd like to be financially, what are the chances that you've created a system that is getting you there? All right. The way that we begin to see change is we create and set up a budget. Now, again, if you're like, oh, listen, I've tried a budget before. I don't think I did it right, and I'm in debt, and there are all these nuts and bolts things that, that I just feel like that's way too simplistic. It's so good that your church offers a class that we make nothing from called Financial Peace University. Sign up. Goodness gracious. Okay. Because how many of us, when it comes to any idea of of creating a roadmap, 
we are just left in the dust and we're intimidated by budgets. Like I can remember years ago when Kay and I first decided, let's, let's get our finances in order. And then, okay, how are we, yeah, we both agree. Yeah, we want, we want to be better with money. And then she goes, so let's create a budget. And I was like, no. And the reason I said, no, just a few full, if I'm just owning this, like, like not proud of this, okay, few reasons I said no. Number one, because there's this insecurity in me it's okay, if I'm saying no to stuff, if I'm not getting impulsive with everything that I want to buy, it means I don't make enough. Therefore, I am not a good provider. And, so, and, so, and a budget was a reminder of all these insecurities. It wasn't true, but it's all these insecurities in me. Secondly, okay, if I say yes to a budget, it means I don't get the fun things that I want. Not understanding that you can budget the fun things that you want, and you can create things like fun money that you get every week to set aside for whatever you want. Okay but this is what we do. Budget is a roadmap. Budget does not take life. Budget helps you have life. As John Maxwell once said, he put it like this. He says, a budget is simply telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. What it is. A, a budget is just simply you, you going, right, I am allocating the money that I get to go to this specific Thing. Now, I know, I know, like there's some pushback right now, okay? And here's this, and, and, and just I'll spoil some, some Dave Ramsey financial piece right now. He gives some examples. Okay, why do so many of us resist having a budget? And there's a lot of reasons. Maybe for you, the reason that you resist this idea is because you hear budget and you go, oh man, that's like bread and water. So I'm never gonna get to go out to eat and it's gonna be so minimal. It's gonna be so restrictive. And so you think your fun is evaporated, not realizing that you're creating better pathways for your fun. Or maybe for you, your budget, is, it's, you've got a reminder of maybe some abuse. Like somebody used a budget to control you and restrict you. You're like, no, thank you. But if you want to control your money, you're going to need a budget. Maybe for you, like when it comes to a, a budget, you go like, well, listen, I've tried it before and it never worked. If you're traveling on a journey and realize you've gotten off course, you don't stop in the middle of nowhere. You change the road that you're on. Right? Okay. In the same way, okay, maybe it didn't work, but maybe what you need to do is just alter the plan that you've been using. Or lastly, maybe for you, the reason you resist a budget is fear. Like, okay, but what if I do that and I see how bad with money I really am? I'm living in blissful ignorance. Been there. But understand, you are suffering already when you choose not to have it. As Proverbs 15, 32 puts it like this, it says, those who disregard discipline despise themselves. Those who despise, or disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. So if you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that, you're, the only one that you're hurting is you. And it's interesting, right? Because it's one of these things where we should be better about this, but we're just so intimidated by it that we choose not to. It's kind of like my, my friend Carrie Curry said it like this one time. I just thought it was really good. Um, she said, you know, it's interesting, like, as a people, we plan everything in life. So like, when you woke up in the morning, you got a plan for your day, all right? Today, at such and such time, I'm going to be in such and such place. I'm going to have this to eat. Or I'm going to go to that place. Like, like, we plan everything, don't we? And yet, for how many of us, we resist the idea of planning our money. Like, what is that? And the answer is, it's irresponsible. And, and I know, again, like, well, that's cool, but Bert, like, what if, what if I'm out and about and I really want to buy that thing and I haven't budgeted it for it? Like, how, how do I keep myself from doing that? Because Target's awesome. I think of it this way. This, um, 
think of it maybe with a story. So um, this is a great book of the Bible. You should read it sometime. It's called Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah is the story of, of this guy who says, Nehemiah lives in a time where the nation of Israel, uh, they had split into two kingdoms, and Nehemiah's people were from Judah, and all the people of Judah were carried off into captivity in Babylon. The Babylonians like came in, and they raided the place. God gave them over to it, and they just decimated the walls. And so he carried off the best and the brightest to Babylon. Some time goes on, and finally Nehemiah is given grace by the king to go back to his home city of Jerusalem with the task of rebuilding the city walls. Now, here's why it's important, because the city's walls were its primary means of defense. If you had foreign invaders coming in or whatever, the walls would stop them from getting in as easily, but the walls have been ransacked. So Nehemiah leads a party of people. They're blessed by the king to go, and they start this long task of rebuilding the walls. And while they're doing that, the people who have since been raiding the land are not too happy about it. As you would expect, because like if they're rebuilding the city walls and that's going to cut into their income, it's going to cut into what their ability to, like, to steal things are and, and, and what have you. And so there's this guy, his name is Sanballat, and he begins a plot to assassinate Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the head of the wall rebuilding project. So Sanballat starts coming around and his loyalties are to people who want the wall to not be rebuilt. He starts coming up to Nehemiah. He's like, hey, man, why don't you come on down? We'll grab some coffee. Let's talk about life. We'll, we'll negotiate or whatever, you know? And Nehemiah sees right through it. And he goes, he goes, no, I don't think so. And he gives this line to Sanballat that I think is really good for you and me. Because how many of us, like just as he's saying this, and it's a way of preserving him from death, how many of us, we need to just say something to ourselves to keep us from being consumed and destroyed by our bad financial decisions. And here's what he says here, Nehemiah 6.3. He says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. In other words, I am doing something really important and I can't waste my time with you. Now, hey, listen, how many of you, your kids' financial future is really important. Your retirement is really important. You getting out of debt is really important. The place that you want to live is really important. I am doing a great work. So listen, okay, I could buy that 20th towel because it's on sale. But hold on, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing something that is actually important, that actually matters. No, no, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. See, when we say no to something, it's yes to something else, right? Like when, when, when we are restricting ourselves intentionally, it's not getting rid of our fun. It's actually enabling us to have more. Because here's the, here's the really cool part. When we say no to the things that we kind of want, it can be a yes to the things that we actually want. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And maybe you're going, well, Bert, that's great. So, but like you're saying, create a budget. And that's really, really complicated. You're right. In order to create a budget, you would have to know how much you were spending on what in order to create categories for you to allocate your money. If only somebody like you were keeping an eye on your finances for a month so that you could know how much you spend on what in order to budget around said things. If only somebody knew that. Oh, you know it. You know it because you've done the hard work. Which is why, fun, recap, if you've tuned out, come back in. Here's our steps for getting away from where we are right now financially. Step one, for the next 30 days, spy on your money. 
Okay, then two, establish short-term and long-term goals. Okay, how much do I want to be saving towards this? How much do I want to be giving? Okay, by the way, next two weeks, we'll be talking about those things. Okay, we're going to establish some short-term and some long-term goals. And step three, create a budget. You might be like, I don't even know where to begin with budgeting. Well, you're in luck, Solid Ground. Because today, on your way out, every single one of you is going to be given a budget template, piece of paper, absolutely free, our gift to you. Take it, copy it, alter it, do whatever you want. But everybody's getting one. You can make it like fit accordingly with how you spend. We actually just want to bless you and invest in your financial future. So everybody's getting one. Now, here's the cool part. Going forward with this in mind, we get to have some fun. Because we get to think about, okay, listen, if I'm going to create a plan, how am I going to save? How am I going to give? How can my future be different? And I really believe, as I say often, that the best is yet to come. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you because you care more about what's happening in our lives than we do. And you are good. And you are our source. You are our provider. So we thank you for this opportunity to better steward the resources that you've entrusted to us. Lord, I pray for my brother or my sister right now who just feels so overwhelmed with all this. For whom maybe this talk has just been a reminder of all the ways they, they feel like they haven't measured it up or that they've been irresponsible or they just haven't been good with money. Would you just bring some grace and some self-forgiveness there? That maybe their past failures are going to be a springboard to get them to where you actually have them, that they'll learn from their past mistakes. These scars and, the, and these, these like burnouts, they're not, instruments of defeat, but they're reminders of stuff they shouldn't try anymore. <laughs> Pray you bring life to our finances, and would you show us how to serve you with them? While you guys are still praying, anywhere you are in life is you're just absolutely burnt out and you're miserable, and you've been trying and trying and trying so hard just to get things together. And it seems like every time you start to get a little bit of traction, things just fall apart. Let me suggest to you that maybe one of the reasons that you're so burnt out is because you've been trying to lead your life instead of handing it over to God. God who knows everything, God who has spoken about how to live life, who has good plans in store for you. And that's where I want you to know, you're not alone. We've all done that. Look, all of us have sinned. All of us have rebelled against God. All of us have tried to live lives for ourselves, doing things our way, and it's gotten us nowhere. All of us have sinned. And the Bible says that, that while we were still sinners, while we were trying to take the reins of control from God and, and do things our way, God looked at us with love and he chose not to leave us where we were. And so he sent his son Jesus into the world to die for your sins and mine. Jesus came to die in our place so that we could be reconciled to God, so we could be forgiven freely, receive God's mercy and salvation. And so that you can know that's true, Jesus rose from the dead to give you new life, to make you a new person. And so if you would say that you don't know the Lord, maybe you're not walking with him, uh, but you'd like to. If you'd like to make Jesus the leader of your life and see the, the, the abundant life that he has for you, it's as simple as asking. And so just a second, I'm going to pray, and I would just encourage you, um, pray along with me. The words aren't magic. <laughs> if you've got better words, you can use your own words. But if you'd like to surrender your life to Christ, here's what we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for loving me. God, I confess that I've sinned. I've rebelled against you. I've tried to do things my own way. And I'm sorry. But I believe that regardless of what I've done, you've never stopped loving me. And you showed that by sending Jesus to die for me. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead to give me new life with you. So God, I'm asking you for that new life. Please come into it and show me how to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.